0: I always, I always had suspicions about pharmaceutical industries and never a big fan of politicians. But in many cases, that's grown from slight mistrust to contempt. For me, I would feel I was acting unethically to recruit people into those vaccine trials. Lack of transparency of government decision-making is a fundamental reason for the lack of trust. So the person
1: who's telling us to take the vaccine is receiving mass funding from the vaccine company and um, making
0: billions off of the vaccine. To, to simplify it, yes, that's true. 90% of people that were uh, making decisions in the FDA later went on to work in the...
1: For Big Pharma? It's it rela- like,
0: related, indu- it related related, it looks, related industry, it looks yeah. It's like a club, yeah, it, it, that's how it looks. It's called the revolving door and it's not a good look. They were often put on what we call end-of-life drugs, medazolam morphine.
1: They were put on drugs that then accelerate their, their, oh, yeah. their chance of death.
0: Yeah. I've had uh, serious threats of uh, violence.
1: You've had threats of violence? Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. Murder? Yeah. As a
1: doctor, you've had threats of violence yeah. and murder because uh, you've yeah. decided to yeah. look at the evidence and the facts and yeah. talk about it. Yeah. You're not calling, you're just talking about it. Yeah.
2: Information covered up, censorship, corruption, the mainstream media have proven itself to be untrustworthy. I'm here to give a platform for debate, for truth, for open discussion. I'm introducing you to my podcast, Silenced with Tommy Robinson. Who exactly is Tommy Robinson? Or Stephen and with The English Defence League the EDL. Robinson a <laughs> The problem was with Islamic The English far right Islamophobic act. Since then, there's been organised protests across the country in London, Manchester, Leeds. People in their thousands are marching for office. There is no such thing in this country
1: as a Muslim. Free Dami Roberto. I'd like to thank you for joining me for my latest episode of Silence, my podcast, where I'm lucky enough to be joined by Dr. John Campbell. Good to see you, Tommy. Thank you for joining me, John. Pleasure. I'd like to, if I can start off, first of all, I'll talk about my journey Yeah. of what happened with COVID, when COVID started, when the vaccine started. Because I see similarities. I, I, I saw it start, we saw people dropping in China. Then I saw doctors attempting to expose things in China who were silenced and censored. Yeah. I watched all of this. I was, when you've, I've seen government lies, media lies, the whole, for, for, for the whole of my activism. So I, I, I have a lot of distrust. So I didn't trust what we were being told. I think at the start, you were more trusting yeah. and more listening to what they were saying. And then I saw the mRNA vaccine. And and when I started looking into that, I saw that it had been tested on animals and all the animals had died. There was questions over. I, I just saw so many questions that I sat back and was questioning everything. And it was enough for me to, to not, participate in the vaccine anyway mm. when I saw it was experimental but can can I ask you about your mm. journey yeah of where you started yeah sure. and also the fact that you've you've amassed 2.8 million followers yeah. on YouTube
0: yeah yeah so my background is I've been basically a nurse all my life so I was a psychiatric nurse when I was 18 then I went on to do general nursing after that then I started doing more academic stuff and I was a nurse tutor I, was, I, I taught couple of generations of student nurses basically I did that for 27 years okay. then I retired and worked part-time on A&E after that so I've been in the health service and teaching nurses for 45 years and in the health service it's actually quite hierarchical so you kind of do what you're told now you know if a doctor says something silly you'll question it and talk about it but at the end of the day you basically do what you're told if, if the consultant says John do this then you go and do it
1: because they've worked their way to more yeah, well, the, the, knowledge.
0: they're the senior doctors yeah. you know you do what you're told and as my career went on, uh, healthcare became more and more protocol-driven. So there's guidelines for pretty well everything now. So we have, you know, the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence, and uh, we use databases <coughs> like Cochrane. What, what
1: do you mean protocol-driven?
0: Well, it, rather than – if you get, get a patient, say, who's got um, asthma, yep. so um, – It's not so much the doctor looking at the patient and saying, oh, well, I think this patient needs, let me think about it. This patient needs probably a bit of subutamol and a bit of ipotropium bromide and a bit of oxygen. It's not that as much as you look at the national guidelines and that says try this first, then try that. So it'll have first order treatment, second order treatment, when when to escalate. So there's kind of protocols for things. And the thing is doctors kind of need to follow that. Nurses need to follow that. Because if you deviate from that and something goes wrong, it's on you. the first question is, well, why, why aren't you following the protocol, you know? Yeah. So, you know, like I taught resuscitation for 30 years, and every few years the Resuscitation Council would bring out different guidelines, so you just amend your teaching. But the point is this was based on the best available evidence. If you take the Resuscitation Council guidelines as an example, that they were always basing it on the latest science, the latest evidence that have international groupings, and. You know if that's what the guideline says then that was pretty well the state of the knowledge of humanity at that time so that's kind of the culture I was from so when the covid guidelines came out and again these were national guidelines then what you tend to do is just follow them you know that's kind of what we're told to do and we have the chief medical officer the chief scientific officer and the the um the prime minister all sitting there the sage all, all three of them all the sage meetings and there seemed to be a consensus on this so for me as an individual with very limited information, you know, I kind of carried on this trusting in protocols. And and let me say most of the protocols in the health service are very, very good. You know, if you go in with an anaphylactic reaction or or a a broken leg or whatever it is, you know, following the protocols in the health service is is, is probably your best uh, chance of survival. You know, we have something called the sepsis six in in casual, in A&E. And and you you follow this, you do these particular tests, you do these particular treatments, and that will optimize your chances of survival. But the problem is with the COVID protocols, inconsistencies started to arise. And it started for me by interviewing people with uh, vaccine injuries. So I've had quite a few people on the channel and they had vaccine injuries. These were diagnosed by pathological tests by senior doctors. Very often, after a great deal of difficulty,
1: diagnosed as as a specific vaccine as a vaccine specific
0: injury. vaccine injury. Okay. A, absolutely. What sort of injuries? Um, myocarditis, okay. pericarditis, being the main ones. Blood clots, neurological features. Um, th- they're the two main categories: cardiovascular and neurological disability, um, pa- pa- para, you know, paralysing type ta- type type conditions. Were these young T- people, old people? Um, the. The first ones I interviewed were young, fit people, um, And I'd just like to compliment the people that came on the channel to do that, because you know to to go public and talk about your suffering. yeah um, uh, knowing it's an international audience is a difficult thing to do, and you know very often, you know you and me have been in video cameras before. it's not too hard for us, but yeah. you know for, for them it was, and uh, so that started to, that started to raise questions. And then I started to look more into the science because to begin with, we had these adenovirus vector vaccines, like, like the, the, um, that, that, that was the Oxford AstraZeneca one and the Johnson and Johnson in the States. Yep. Then we had these uh, mRNA ribonucleic acid vaccines. And I couldn't work out why the change from the traditional type of vaccine. So a traditional vaccine basically you get a load of virus, you mush it up and you inject it in a dead form. And the immune system comes to recognise this dead form of proteins, which is what you call antigens or, or epitopes.
1: So knows how to defeat it.
0: The body learns how to defeat it. Absolutely. So, so that's like saying that's your enemy over there. If you see that guy, get him. You know, that, that that's that, that's the way the immune system works. But why did they go for both of these vaccine approaches? Do not give an antigen. They give the recipe. So instead of me saying, right, there's, there's your uh, chicken masala and chips, uh, Tommy, uh, mm-hmm. took in. I say, well, there's the recipe for your chicken masala. Trot off to the kitchen and make it yourself, mate. <laughs> you know that? Okay, so, yeah. so, so the body was making it itself. Now, I couldn't work out why they went flat out for that. So if you're in, a, in an emergency situation, which you could argue, we could argue about that. But at the time, many thought COVID was an emergency situation. People were getting sick from COVID, there's, there's and there no was a question. mass propaganda campaign. There, there, there was, but people were still getting yeah. sick. You know, at my mates in intensive care were looking after people with pathology which was specific to to COVID. Okay. Now, yes, some of the, a lot of the deaths were caused by things like ventilation, but you know there, there was there was a, an actual um, pathology there. So, but I couldn't work out why they were going for these particular new types of vaccines. So you've got a threat then you would think you would uh, combat that threat with something that was an established, a known, a known treatment, a, a, a known approach. And yet they went for this massive new approach that had never been done before. This had never been done. Adenovirus vector vaccines had never been used. mRNA vaccines had never been used. So it seemed to be a bit of a risk. So that, that started come, sit, sitting a bit uneasy with me.
1: What is mRNA? What, so people sitting thinking, you, what sure. is mRNA?
0: Yeah, so all the cells of your body, yeah. you have this stuff called DNA in the middle of it, the nucleus. That's deoxyribonucleic acid. Now that is the recipe to make you or me. So what the DNA does is it carries the genetic code. That is the information. So you get half from your mum, half from your dad. It's the genetic code to make the proteins that make the cells that make the tissues that make the body. So the DNA um, is a double-stranded molecule, the famous double helix. Then that peels in half, and there's a process called called, uh, transcription. And that changes the DNA message into the RNA message. So now you have the message in RNA, ribonucleic acid then that molecule literally trots off from the nucleus, goes into the cytoplasm, the white part of the cell, like the white of the egg around about the cell. And the specific small organs in the cytoplasm of the cell are called organelles, and these are called ribosomes. And the RNA goes into the ribosome, and the ribosome takes the information from the messenger RNA, in this case, and strings it into particular amino acids. So three sequences three letters in the RNA code for one amino acid so you'll get one amino acid there there's 20 amino acids then you'll get the next one and they're all chemically combined together then you end up with a big string of amino acids and then they fold in particular ways it's called protein folding and they form the proteins the proteins form the components of the cell allow for cell growth and allow for cell division and then many cells make up a tissue Many tissues make up an organ and many organs make up you, you and me. Yeah. So it is that information. So, so what, what the mRNA vaccines did was they gave the RNA directly. So you give the RNA in what's called a, a lipid nanosome, nano just means very small, that goes onto the edge of the cell. It's supposed to happen in your arm, it's supposed to happen in the myocytes, the cells of your arm. That RNA goes directly into the cells. In your arm, the muscle cells in your arm take that RNA. Because it's RNA, it's sent to the ribosomes in the cell. The ribosomes make the protein that is coded for by that RNA. But in this case, the code, of course, is to make a form of spike protein, because it only works for it only produces spike protein. So the ribosome, using the RNA instruction makes a spike protein not a whole virus just the spike protein that and components of that are then exported to the surface of the cell so what you end up with is foreign material on the surface of the cell that means the immune cells that patrol all the cell surfaces in the body recognize that they say oh just a minute there's a foreign foreign protein here and they make an antibody to it that's what's supposed to happen and that does happen but The lipid nanosomes are so small, we now know they go everywhere. They leak. They leak. They leak out of the site. Now, they're supposed supposed to go there, and they're supposed to go to the lymph nodes in in your armpit. But we now know that they're so small that they go everywhere. That means they're circulating around the body. So these lipid nanosomes... What's What's the problem with that? The problem with that is that the fatty cell membrane on the lipid nanosomes will merge with any other fatty cell membrane. And all the cells that line all of your blood vessels are made of these fatty cell membranes. So, for example, if a lipid nanosome was going through the, a vessel in your heart, then those vessels in your heart are learned, lined with what we call vascular endothelium. And this is the clots. Well, well it, it, can, it can be. Yeah. You get these smooth cells. Yeah. The, the lipid nanosome merges onto the membrane of these smooth cells. The RNA goes in these cells then make the antigen, which is then sticking on the surface of the cell. But this is a cell now, which is in the blood vessels of the, of the myocardium, of the heart, for example. And then because it's a foreign protein, it will be attacked by the immune system. Now, some cells, um, immune cells will recognize that and start making antibodies. So you'll start to get an immune response, which is the purpose of giving the, um, the, the vaccine in the first place. But you get, because it's a foreign protein, you get another group of cells called cytotoxic, cell poisoning, cytotoxic T-cells. And what they do, rather than surgically remove the particular antigen, it's a bit like having some terrorists in a, in a, in a cave. You don't take them out one at a time, you just chuck in a hand grenade and kill the lot. So, so what Cytotoxin these cytotoxic T-cells system. do is it just takes out the whole cell. Okay. And that causes inflammation. Because that was a cell that was needed. It, 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 well, that cell can be replaced, but the point is, it's an inflammatory reaction. Okay. But if you kill a lot of these cells at the same time, that, that will damage what we call the vascular endothelium of the cell. And that can lead to things like blood clotting and things like that. But it, it all, it, the key thing is it causes inflammation. Now, inflammation is, is anything that ends in itis.
1: Is this what's causing myocarditis?
0: Yeah. So if, if, you've, if you've got, if you see itis, I-T-I-S, yep. so conjunctive itis, tonsillitis okay. appendicitis myocarditis pericarditis inflammation now if i give you the choice tommy would you like inflammation in your heart or not today no no there you go but the, they so, but so they didn't
1: give people this choice
0: well they didn't explain this choice. Th- 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 this this was not fully explained so a fundamental axiom of healthcare is informed consent and there was not open discussion of the side effects. So how we define myocarditis is, is difficult. So obviously get some people get it severe, they'll get bad pain, they'll get uh, shortness of breath. Um, if, the, if the heart's inflamed, there's actually a risk. The rhythm will become irregular. That's called ventricular fibrillation. That, 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 That's that, heart attack. That, well, it, it's, it, it's a cardiac arrest. Which uh, well, you'd you you, you die in three minutes um the the, those those risks why
1: some people who took the vaccine end up having heart attacks instantly
0: that that is what is currently believed because if you've got an inflamed area in the myocardium uh, that becomes electrically unstable electrically irregular and if that starts giving off lots of electrical impulses it's not supposed to then the heart doesn't know what to do and it just ends up it ends up fluttering. So, so we've, got, we've got this whole idea of informed consent. But then to get back to your original question, what happened at the end of uh, 2021, 2022? Uh, Omicron came along. Now, Omicron is a variant of the SARS coronavirus 2. No one has really yet explained where it came from. as far as I remember it came from South Africa is where it was first identified but the sequencing in South Africa was pretty good so it's probably where it was just first identified it could have come from someone who was immunosuppressed there's a possibility it came from mice Um, but the mere fact that that has never been explained is kind of curious (laughs) it's kind kind of interesting because humanised mice are used quite a lot in uh, vaccine genetic research Testing, what, what they actually do is they take some genes from humans and put them into mice. It's called transgenic mice, so 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 that they'll have a human um ACE, ACE2 receptor, for example, that can be coded for. But so, anyway, that's that's a bit of a distraction. But, it, but but the point is, Omicron was way less pathogenic, people were not getting sick. Basically, the infection moved from the lower airways to the upper airways, and of course, if you've got infection in the upper airways, it's a cold you know, we kind of live with that. So we had this disease that was way less pathogenic. People were not getting admitted to intensive care anything like the numbers, and yet the, the vaccine protocol stayed the same. And I thought, just a minute, the risk benefit analysis has changed here, okay. because whenever you give a treatment, it's always risk benefit analysis. Now, if you are very sick, um, I, I would carry out a treatment on you uh, that might can 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 have a higher risk, have some very very high risks. Because you, you know, need if it. If you came in with a collapsed lung, well, I'm afraid you'd have to stick a tube in your chest. Now, there's a risk to that. But if you don't do it, you'll die. Yeah. But I wouldn't do it to you now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <if laughs> you know, b- because because the risk-benefit analysis I- is not there. So it's always saying, well, what's the potential benefits here? What is the risk here? And it seemed to me that because these have been interviewing people with vaccine injuries and uh these these theoretical risks and the unanswered questions were accumulating that it started seeming to me like the risk from the vaccine was now greater especially in the younger demographic than the risk of taking it and yet the government guidelines have changed now quite dramatically in my country there's been some might say backpedaling (laughs) but (laughs) but they've changed quite dramatically now although one thing that does concern me is the government guidelines for this autumn is still recommending vaccination for healthcare workers and care workers. Regardless of age? Regardless of age. So if you're a bouncing fit, 20 year old, second or third year student nurse. They're gonna put an arm in a vaccine. The, the, arm. the government is still recommending that.
1: You, you know, because we know it leaked, but there were warning signs from the start from Dr. Robert Malone, was there not? And, th- th- and so what, what could, could, they, could they have been aware that this vaccine could cause these heart problems? There, there were voices. From from the start. From the start. And Dr. Rob Malone is the, the inventor
0: of this. Uh, he, 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 I technology. believe he was involved in the early in developments the early. of mRNA technology. And he come out saying, hold on. Yeah. This could do this. this it is, isn't it? But Sage was saying something else. Sage so, was saying something else. So and, we, 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 there, was, there was these... Conflicting opinions. So you've got all these highly qualified government scientists saying one thing, and you've got kind of lone voices saying another thing. And if you're trying to evaluate the relative risks yep. at the time, uh, it's it's not easy to do. Now looking back, yeah, yeah Dr. The, 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 Malone was right and Sage wrong. The, 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 well. It's oversimplifying it, but but yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was right about many, many things and, and people that we actually met yesterday. Dr. Peter McCullough, for example, uh, Dr. Pierre Corey, you know, th- th- these are world leading doctors who had these ideas early on. And in my view, it's transpired that the evidence has accumulated more and more to support their position, less and less to support, for example, the position of uh, that SAGE took in the early stages of the pandemic. Mm but but at the time um it's it's easy to diagnose with a, retrospect, a retrospectoscope you know we, we, there's a say, there's a saying in medicine that the retrospectoscope which doesn't exist you know just looking back casts a clear white light and it's easy to see at the time but the big thing that i'm still annoyed about is the people that had the full information at the time so the chris wittes the patrick Balances, the the, the, the head of the, you know, the, the Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Authority. They had all this information that I didn't have that wasn't available to the public. They had all this information. We believe they had additional information from the drug companies that wasn't in the public domain. Yet given that full information, they still made the decisions they did. And, and, and a lot of that information is still not public, not transparent. There's this lack of transparency. So the people that should have been taking all this into account, it now appears we're not taking into account everything we would have liked them to take into account. And why do you think that is now?
1: Retrospectively, looking back, as we said, looking back at everything we now have, data we have, reasons we have, what they knew, what we didn't know they knew, why do you think?
0: Well, there's quite a lot of concerns because if we take the Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Authority in the UK, along with other regulatory authorities around the world, they receive a lot of their funding directly from vested interests and pharmaceutical companies.
1: Who have profited hugely off of the The, the
0: profits are indescribable. Now, no one's saying that that is the cause, but it's not a good look. So the person uh,
1: who's telling us to take the vaccine is receiving mass funding from the vaccine company um, and making billions off of the vaccine.
0: To, to simplify it, yes, that's true. Um, Jonathan Van Tam, for example. Um, He's just
1: gone and got the job.
0: He, he was the deputy chief medical officer. He was responsible for uh, a big part of the committee that purchased vaccines. From memory, it was over 70 million doses of Moderna vaccine that we bought.
1: We bought 70 million doses. Uh, do you know what the cost of that was?
0: Well, it was the most expensive. I think it was around about 20 $25 at the time.
1: Twenty twenty-five dollars or seven million. I, th- I think. I think, million. I think. I think. Don't, don't quote me. And he's well, working uh, for our government. He's working for our government. He's he's, yeah. d- and he's left government and, and gone and got a job. Gone and got a job with Moderna. Straight for the company. Straight from the company that he's given the contract to for these. Huge he
0: he, he actually took a. He actually left the government. Worked in academia. I think for just over a year. That's, That's to make it look less obvious. Uh, who, 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 who ask him that when you see him yeah Tommy. yeah yeah I'll go find him <laughs> I mean the the, the, the the point the serious point here is that um, when I was, talk to, I was talking to Russell Brand a couple of weeks ago and I said he's been brilliant in this uh, yeah I said Russell if I want a job with you stay free media you know I'm not going to you know if I free. think hey, you know a couple of years time yeah I quite fancy myself on stay free media I'm not going to start slagging him off in fact I'm going to say oh this Russell Brand guy is really good you know I'm going to ingratiate myself so no, the question is when. When was that job in in uh, Professor Van Tam's mind? If it was a week ago, the, the, before he took the job, then there was probably no conflict of interest. But it's it's it's, it's all murky. It doesn't look good.
1: I think when we looked at the figures, ninety percent of people who have been on panels that
0: that that, that, that was the American data. The 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 American. FDA. I think it was between. I think I think from memory, two thousand and twelve to two thousand and eighteen. I think it was. Yeah. 90% of people that were uh, making decisions in the FDA later went on to work in the...
1: For big pharma? In a rela- like, related, indu- it related, related, it
0: related industry. it's yeah. like a club. Yeah, it, That's it, how it looks. It's called the revolving door, and it's not a good look. And it goes the other way around. So, so um, Patrick Valance, for example, uh, was very senior in GlaxoSmithKline. And he left them, I think... In What's two, It's a huge pharmaceutical industry. Okay, uh, Huge um he I think he left them in something like 2017 then of course he was the chief scientific officer all through the pandemic no one's saying there was any conflict of interest there but it's um it's just not a good look um we we need some way of funding these regulatory agencies so that they are independent and of course no one's saying they're not independent but it has to appear independent so that the public can have trust in them again because The big victim, the the big thing that's gone wrong in this pandemic is trust. I get okay, it's not a scientific sample, but on my videos, I'll get two, three, four thousand comments uh, per video. And an awful lot of those express mistrust in authority. A lot of trust for authority has not, well, some, some cases it's gone completely. Some cases it's turned into a blatant contempt, but other people, it's like a niggling doubt. Now, there could be another pandemic, Tommy, this is possible.
1: A legitimate one.
0: Yeah. there could be a pandemic, and this is a dangerous... and some viruses could have a mortality rate. I mean, if you take Ebola, for example, you know 67, 60 or 70 percent of people that get that are going to die. And it is possible that there's a virus with very high pathogenicity and very high transmissibility. You know, a, a serious viral pandemic is an ex- existential threat to civilised humanity. It, hopefully it won't happen. But it, but it could. And if it did, how much would people... Believe none.
1: That, that, that's the dangerous the, the, situation the we're in
0: now. So it, it, it is kind of a crying wolf situation. You know, the the the, the, the shepherdess cried wolf when she was guarding the sheep just to watch the villagers run because it was fun the, pro- the
1: problem is they did cry wolf
0: and i think it's now i think now the general
1: public are seeing no you lied you lied about this you lied about the lockdowns you lied about the masks even they were making school children wear masks yeah. there's no evidence that it's, it, 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 it does not you so well. when when people see those lies yeah as i said i've had a distrust for years yeah. of all of them but that's, we are now in a dangerous situation where there could, there could be a, a pandemic. There could be, we could get into war. It could come from China. It could come from Russia. Yep. Anything could happen. Yep. And the, and I believe now mass, masses of our population will not believe yep. you. We think you're lying. It's a false flag. Yep. So it's a dangerous situation.
0: I mean, I mean, there's, there's that threat. There's the uh, warfare threat escalations there's damage to nuclear facilities in ukraine that's really quite a big concern of mine you've got you've got a lot of radioactive elements sitting around in pretty well shut down
1: there's a lot of bio labs
0: there as well weren't there I, I really don't know that i've heard that <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I making I, more coronaviruses uh, no? I, I, I couldn't answer that with any sort <laughs> of the american authority government. or not yeah. um uh, the, the 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 american authorities do Um, have scientific interests around the world. We can certainly say say that. But I can't answer that specifically. But for sure you've got these nuclear power stations in Ukraine. And if it was going badly wrong for one side or the other, they would make one heck of a mess. And the point being for one
1: side or the other, because even if, I believe, even if a nuclear power station was blown up tomorrow in Ukraine, there'd be many in the West, in our nations, who would look at our own governments similar to the the Nord pipeline and we'd look yeah. to say, well, who has done that? Do we yeah. believe Russia's done that? Yeah. Or have you done it? Has yeah. America done that? Well, they want it, to cut
0: You know, it wouldn't matter who too much who had done, done it. It, it would depend more on which direction the wind was blowing at the yeah. time. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I remember Chernobyl, um, you know, the the the, uh, the, raid. the the reason that the Chernobyl accident in Ukraine, of course, um, the reason that we knew about it in the UK was not because we were informed by the Soviet authorities. The first thing we knew in the UK was near where I live in Cumbria, the radiation alarms went off in Sellafield. Wow. So the radiation alarms were going off and the guys were going, heck, we've got a leak. And they looked around, there's no leak here. And yet the radiation alarms were going off because the wind had blown from Ukraine to Sellafield to Cumbria. And of course, Cumbrian sheep weren't allowed to be eaten for years after that because of the radioactive cesium. These things are risks and when when there is a, a big risk like that, we need government to tell us what to do, to 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 set to to work out the best thing. But if, if we're in a situation now where there's reduced trust in government, do you have reduced trust? Have, that, you I, seem to have a lot of trust at the start. I, I I have reduced trust in government. Yeah. Now, and that's the development over the last three I, I, years. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I always I always had suspicions about pharmaceutical industries and never a big fan of politicians but in many cases that's grown from slight mistrust to contempt um it's escalated a lot and um the, the, you know they're there for 10 minutes a lot of these politicians you know you know where's matt hancock gone where's his accountability you know he was here for a while then he's scooted off to the jungle yeah. <laughs> and then, you know um there's no continuity it should you know if we're still sitting there it's desk to answer these questions, but it is not it's kind of another revolving door situation we don't we don't have continuity of, of accountability, and that is uh i see that as a problem but but the main thing is that people don't trust governments anything like as much as they did, and you know we 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 need good government and do do we always have that well the answer appears no, not as much as we would like.
1: If, if an awakening moment for you was talking to the vaccine injured. Yeah. Have they been given a fair platform? Have we, ha, ha, has there been censorship? No,
0: n- no, they're not given a fair platform. One obvious reason for that is underreporting of adverse reactions. Under-repor- this, 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 underreporting this, 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 this is for any drug. Well, in the UK, we have what we call the yellow card scheme. So in the old days, this was yellow cards. and Doctors used to fill them out. Nurses used to fill them out. Now anyone can fill them out. It's online, um, and people can report adverse reactions after any drug. So if you took if you took aspirin and had an anaphylactic reaction to that, you could report that on this, on this yellow card scheme. But the point is, doctors underreport um, adverse reactions, and that's known. So data from the British Medical Journal estimates that only about ten percent of serious adverse reactions are reported. Less serious reactions, it's probably under 5% that are actually reported. So sometimes doctors don't recognize this. Or sometimes someone might get, say, a vaccine or a drug, then three, four months later, they might have a particular problem, they don't associate it, they don't realize. So sometimes it's just deliberately not bothering to report these things. Other times the association is not recognized. So we end up with gross underreporting and the all-party parliamentary group looking into COVID at the moment estimated that underreporting could be as high as 98%. Uh, uh, In other words, it, you know, two, what we can say is between 2 and 10% of adverse reactions are probably not reported. So how do you monitor this if reactions are simply not being reported? We, am
1: I also right that the reactions anything that happens in the first 14 days is not classed as re- vaccine related um,
0: that 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 was related to uh yes. it, it, that that was data related to infection so people would have the vaccine and it's re- recognized that it takes a week or two weeks to build up the immunity okay. so if someone was vaccinated and then got an infection the week after that that that's wasn't counted as as a, a vaccine protected infection.
1: But if someone was vaccinated and died the
0: next day, um, then that may or may not be reported on the yellow card scheme, depending on the individuals involved. Okay. The underreporting is a big, big issue, and it's not just in the UK. Th- this is everywhere.
1: What do you think of what do you think of how the media
0: have? Just well, do you
1: think that they've? Well, <laughs> do you think they've? Um, Think they've been fair on the representation of how bad Covid was? Uh, uh, I I,
0: I never liked national media in the UK and now I'm openly contemptuous of it. That they have just put out, as far as I can see, one particular narrative. And if you disagree with that, you're thrown to the fact checkers who can work out elaborate ways of pointing out why you're wrong. But in actual fact, all they're doing is giving another opinion. So I've been fact checked so many times.
1: I saw that in 2020. (laughs) In 2020, they spoke spoke very highly of you. 2022, I think they were labelling you. Well,
0: (laughs) I've never been invited onto the BBC. (laughs) You don't want to? No, I I, I suspect (laughs) that's not going to happen. No. No, No, mainstream media has largely followed a particular narrative, uh, not questioning uh, vaccine safety extensively enough. Do you, find that,
1: do you find that insane, the fact that... Because mainstream media are supposed to be the journalists that investigate yeah. both sides of it. Yeah,
0: I mean, this is one of the big things in this. If we take the whole ivermectin story, the hydroxychloroquine story, mm. you know, I, I was talking to Tess Laurie about this. She's one of the doctors that did the original meta-studies on this. Yep. Back in 2020. And I said, where the heck are the investigative journalists tearing this apart? Where the heck are the investigative journalists? You know, if Watergate had happened now... Tricky Dicky, he'd probably get away with it. Watergate was where the uh, people working for President Nixon back in the, well, uh, I don't know, early 70s, I guess, late 60s, yep. uh, actually broke into the offices of the opposition to get dirt and information on the... Oh, uh, and r- what you're
1: saying is if that happened now, no one would be yes, investigating?
0: Yes, so, so, so r- 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 Richard Nixon used, uh, or his cronies used burglary to get information on their enemies. okay, And that, that was blown apart by uh, investigative, investigative journalists. I can't remember from the paper now. It might have been New York Times. I'm not sure about well, that. Well,
1: it certainly wouldn't be investigated now. No, well, it's no. the New York Times. Uh, but, but as a result <laughs> yeah. of
0: that, uh, he was uh, he was impeached and resigned. Okay. You know wh- wh- Where are the people investigating uh, the trust fund that Richie Sunak started in 2013, I believe it was, the LIME, <laughs>
1: Uh, explain explain this so well, Richie sunak well in, uh, all I
0: know is is an article from the Guardian which is <laughs> not not my famous, favorite favorite mm-hmm. paper but but um uh, apparently uh Richie sunak before he came into politics politics uh, there was a trust fund called the Leem, they put a lot of money, we believe, half a billion dollars into Moderna back in 2000. 12% shares? That, that's the figure I've heard. I, I couldn't substantiate that. But the figure in The Guardian was, was 500 million US dollars. Oh. You know, that, that's... No, but of course, we're not saying our prime minister's corrupt in any way. But, but he's
1: just gave a contract for the next 10 or 15 years the British Well, the, British, for, gov- the billion- British government
0: has just agreed to a contract. We believe it's for a billion pounds. A billion pounds to Over build. 10 years
1: to build a plant they're
0: building the plant now Moderna plant. we believe Yeah, Moderna plant near Oxford um, some people say it's going to produce 150 million doses of mRNA vaccines a year some say it's going to produce 250 million doses a year there's a similar plant being built near uh, I'm pretty sure it's um, I'm pretty sure it's um, Melbourne anyway it's certainly Australia uh, there's a similar plant being built in Canada both going to produce 100 million doses of mRNA vaccine a day Um, And this is for a company that no one had heard of until, well, (laughs) apart from people that were starting trust funds in 2013. You know, these things, you know, if if this is Why do they
1: need that many mRNA vaccines? Why are they 250 million a year? Well, we've got a population of, what, 60 million?
0: Yeah, so there seems to be a great deal of interest in converting traditional-style vaccines into mRNA-type vaccines. Why? that is a really, really good question, Tommy, and one I'm not in a position to answer. You know, my axiom in healthcare is if it ain't bust, Wait, don't, f- don't fix it.
1: Is it for public health? <laughs> Does this sound like it's for uh, public health?
0: Well, they, 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 they want to improve. Influenza vaccine at the moment is pretty pathetic. Yeah. The coverage is useless. It only gives you coverage for a few months. So they want a flu vaccine that's going to give you high levels of coverage for longer periods of time. So the flu vaccine, they're working, we believe, on an mRNA flu vaccine. There's another one called respiratory syncytial virus, RSV. Uh, They're working on an mRNA vaccine for that, we believe. And there's also vaccines, I don't understand this, but there's a lot of vaccines that are going to treat potentially different types of cancer. And that's potentially quite an exciting development in treatment of cancers that you could take an immunological approach to treating cancer because if you have a, even a fairly advanced cancer and for some reason it's called spontaneous recovery sometimes the immune system will recognise that those cancer cells are abnormal and eradicate them so that's actually potentially quite exciting but there's a big difference there if you take healthy people and inject those with a vaccine that's going to stop them getting disease and they've got a big risk of a side effect from that vaccine then that risk benefit analysis thing is not there but you know we've
1: so seen you talk about we've seen statistics on cancer
0: yeah. Since the vaccines. They, 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 they yeah. Um, <laughs> let, let me, let me finish off the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's, you've opened up another can of worms there. <laughs> um, but if you, if you had, and God forbid, you or I had an advanced cancer, and there was a treatment that say had, you know, a pretty good chance of curing us, but there was a one in a hundred chance of dying, one in a five, 5% chance of dying, you know, If we're going to die anyway, that's kind of a risk we might, we would take. You know, because if it improves your chances of survival, then we would take that. But that's for people with the cancer already. So it's a risk benefit analysis thing. Now, what I was talking about before, the the systemic absorption of these lipid nanoparticles going everywhere, producing antigens that the immune system beats up on all around the body, um, I don't see why that problem is limited to spike protein. Any foreign protein being produced in the, blood, in the blood vessels, in the heart, for example, would cause a very similar reaction from the immune system, an inflammatory reaction. So until this question is answered, I don't think it would be, I would feel, if I was, if I was conducting the clinical trials on new mRNA vaccines, And that question had not been thoroughly answered for me I would feel I was acting unethically to recruit people into those vaccine trials because that's a fundamental question that has not been answered. Now Senator Gerard Rennix was very good on this in the Australian um, Senate so he had a couple of representatives from uh, Pfizer Australia and he said do you know the mechanism by which your vaccine causes myocarditis and the flanneled around this question Oh, the the, we do notice there's very rare side that's not the question i asked we're not i'm not asking about rare side of it do you know the
1: mechanism by mechanism what's that mean? the the mechanism is 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 how
0: how that how that's going how that's happening how that's going wrong because if you don't so so the mechanism of of an illness is for example if you if you have if you have a viral infection the virus will invade cells and kill cells. You know That's the mechanism of action. If you have uh, furring up of your arteries, then that can cause turbulence in the blood, that can cause a blood clot, the blood clot will block off the circulation. It's the mechanism, what we would call the pathophysiological mechanism. Yeah. So he said, do you know this mechanism? And ultimately, these two doctors wouldn't answer that question. They, they said they didn't know, which is incredible. They said they didn't know that. And they took it on notice. And they did eventually get back to him, and uh, they, they did give some um, immunological reason why why there might be a problem in myocarditis, but they didn't seem to address this fundamental problem with the lipid nanoparticles acting as vectors carrying these things around the body. So and, until someone can clearly explain to me that no, if we had a if we had a RSV vaccine, or if we had a um, uh, an influenza RNA vaccine. This is why your fears, John, are unjustified. This is why it won't float off to the lining of the heart, the vascular endothelium in the coronary arteries, and cause problems there. You're at, you're, your question was legitimate, but here's a satisfactory answer to it. Then then we could carry on. But until that fundamental basic pathophysiological question is answered. Um, I don't really see how we can ethically proceed with this because with it's a legitimate more, with question.
1: Any more mRNA
0: vaccines? This would apply to any mRNA vaccine that coded uh, that coded for a foreign antigen until until we can be assured that they're not systemically distributed. Now they may have worked on this new Moderna plant; may have found out a way to make sure there's no systemic distribution. But that needs to be open it needs to be public and it needs to be able to be peer-reviewed by the world scientists
1: that's it that's we if need that, that published
0: transparent
1: and that's if the reason for these vaccines was to actually help yes because yes. we've seen at this conference we, atten- yeah. we attended yesterday yeah, yeah, yeah there's lots of people with different of opinions around the world now that are yeah. speaking out on the motive of the vaccine what's correct sh- correct what's your belief in the motive of the vaccine in hindsight looking at everything that's going on now looking at what they knew and what they didn't tell us, looking at the fact they're now... Yeah. I, is the motive profit or is the motive...
0: Oh, well, well I mean, I mean the, the motive in business is always profit, of course. And this is business, uh, the, this isn't public uh, health. Of, of course, of course, profit is the, is the motive of that business exists to make profit. But is, no. it, but is what's <laughs> happening
1: with our government, is it business or is it public health,
0: in uh, your opinion? That, that, that transparency is simply not there. Mm. I don't have the data to answer that question, which is part of the problem. Lack of transparency of government decision-making is a fundamental reason for the lack of trust. But Do sim- I have strong suspicions that there's financial motives? Yeah, I've got suspicions. So sim- I can't prove that. Well,
1: simply putting it, that because it's insane for anyone to listen to this. Rishi Sunak yeah. invests money in a fund in 2013, of 500 yeah. million pound. He buys 12% shares in Madonna. Yeah. Rishi Sunak is now the leader of our country. He, he wasn't is. elected. There was a coup. He's now in charge of our country, and he has just given a contract <laughs> for a billion pound.
0: Well, he, that he
1: is going to personally yeah. benefit from
0: in a huge manner. He, um, we, we, we are assured that all his interests are now blinded.
1: <laughs> assured by <laughs> who? Rishi Sunak? <laughs> <laughs> at the point being, there's no investigative journalism. Yeah. There's no... It, it,
0: it, it doesn't... Uh, what I'm saying, Tommy, is it doesn't look good. It needs to be transparent. Follow the money. Why aren't investigative journalists picking this to pieces? You know, wh- wh- why isn't this completely clear and above board? And at the moment, there's things that don't look good.
1: If you follow the money and everything. But if you, in the sense of cancer, yeah. With since the vaccine, yeah, people who have taken this vaccine, yeah. Are they more likely to now develop cancer? Is, well, the, is this an attack on our immune system?
0: Yeah. If you look at the Office for for and Improvement or something like that yeah. in the UK, um, the, there's some conditions that have become more common during the pandemic and there's some that have become less common. So interestingly, uh, the one that's classified as other lung diseases way less people are dying of other lung diseases which is a bit surprising if you think that covid attacks Natural the lungs. lungs yeah so so that category is down all the vascular diseases are clearly up so there's more deaths from strokes more deaths from heart attack or the cardiovascular diseases, by, heart failure up, is up more by deaths. a
1: lot up by very small yeah yeah, yeah significantly significantly, so significantly yeah yeah, vaccine.
0: yeah now the if you if you look at those trends on cancer The the trends from the Office for uh, Health Improvements, it's not as, with the cancer ones, it's more ambiguous. Some months it's up, some months it's slightly down, different cancers, it's different. But the the trends on lung disease are down, liver disease is up quite dramatically, liver cirrhosis, that's fibrous tissue forming in the liver, which is basically the end product of any long-term liver inflammation, which is a concern. Heart diseases, uh, strokes, heart failure are all up. We are watching the cancer data with great interest. Now, other sources of information are saying that there's more cancer deaths are occurring more.
1: And breast cancer, I figures for breast cancer. That
0: we're... Yeah, I, I haven't seen any, any recent figures on that. But um, it really is a major problem in the UK that people can't get to see their GPs readily. It's really quite difficult. I was in my GP surgery last few days ago for a blood test, and the place was like the Mary Celeste. <laughs> you know, there was, there, there was hardly anyone there because, you know, traditionally you'd have a big list of patients. The GP would say, right, Mr. Campbell. No, they it. just won't. No, 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 the well, it, it's, it's you basically you need a telephone triage yeah. to get to see your doctor. And that is a fundamental problem because I can look at your face now, Tommy, and because I've been doing this for 45 years, I can see you're in reasonable shape today. Mm. You know, but if you were slightly, had a slight pallor, uh, if there was a slight dullness in your eyes, if there was a slight blueness around your lips, I would spot that half a mile away. And you can't do that on the phone. So people that are actually, I've come across individuals that actually look quite ill and if I'd seen them at work, I would go to the consultant and say, can you look at Mrs. Jones, please? She doesn't look well to me. And that's what I would do. Yeah. You know, I, I would go into a cubicle uh, on A&E when I was working there after I retired. Patient didn't look right. I would, I would do a few investigations maybe myself, but if they don't look right, I'll just, I'd just go to the doctor and say, look, this patient doesn't look right. They don't look right. And the, the doctor would realize that I'm experienced at looking at people and they'd say, well, John's not happy. I'm going to go and check this out. Uh, and, and then they would find something.
1: So you think the rise in some of these figures could, sim- could, could uh, be because yeah. of many reasons?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now uh, is there mechanisms via which mRNA vaccines could potentially cause mutations that lead to cancer? Yeah, 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 there is. But it is multifactorial. But the health service being in a complete mess, which it is at the moment in the UK, is such a confounding variable. It really confuses the issue. So what is vaccine damage? What is not being able to see your GP? What is the terrible waiting list in huge parts of the NHS? Mm. Something like 7 million people waiting for different procedures now. You've got got all these factors that are increasing overall mortality. Now, make no mistake about it. Overall mortality is higher than it should be and has been for quite some time. Well, three years Uh, since the vaccine? Since... It's been higher basically since 2020, but 2021, 2022, 2023, when COVID was down, what we'd actually expect after a pandemic. So in 2020, 2021, a lot of older, already vulnerable people died. Now, given that those people died, they're the people that were probably old and vulnerable and we probably would have died the year after the year after the year after that. A lot of those people would have died within a few years after.
1: And do you think they died because of COVID or did they died because of the treatment they the, were given the, for the,
0: COVID? Yeah, I can't, oh, that's, a good, that's a good question. Mm. <laughs> but the fact that this vulnerable population had died um, means that the death rate should actually be way less.
1: Yeah, because the vulnerable
0: people. Because the population gone. is healthier.
1: So it's a healthier population. Yeah.
0: So we've got excess mortality
1: but really, when
0: we would expect it to be lower mortality. So even if if the mortality had been the same, that's still higher than we would have expected after a pandemic that selected out older people, but it's actually actually higher. Now going on to your other question, um, how many deaths were actually COVID related? Now we have a concept in healthcare called iatrogenesis. Iatros is Greek for doctor, so iatrogenic is anything caused by medical treatment. Now, I'm actually collecting some data at the moment, talking to people in uh, care facilities. And they were in a situation where in the waves of the pandemic, where they were not able to get doctors in to see their patients. So um, I I won't go into geographical areas, but I've, I've talked to people that are relatively junior registered nurses who were talking to doctors, reporting the condition of their patients, which to be honest a year or two out of uh, training you're not in a good position to do really but they were doing that and very often when patients were diagnosed with COVID um, the philosophy of treatment changed to palliative now palliative just means you make the patient comfortable
1: and then and then they and then don't treat them
0: well they were not the, the the very often, patients in care homes were not given oxygen. Sometimes that wasn't available. But they were often put on what we call end-of-life drugs, medazolam morphine.
1: They were put on drugs that then accelerate their, their, oh, yeah. their chance of death. Yeah. So someone's diagnosed, they've got COVID, which we now know.
0: and They could have recovered from. They could
1: have recovered from. And they were put on end-of-life drugs, which
0: actually killed them. Um, accelerated, accelerated the end of their good. life. That is, I, I I've got instances where that happened. The extent to which that happened, we we don't know. And the big question. So, what what I, what I'm kind of doing now is what you call a, a, a qualitative uh, research. So I'm talking to people, and you know I'm getting themes like the cupboards were stuffed full of end of life drugs. The, well, these they, bought,
1: starting, they bought so many. The, 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 they, the, they were
0: ordered in in case they were needed for, for to alleviate the, the the suffering that often goes around. Now, that, if you,
1: that, that's what we're told,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if, if you're dying of a painful cancer, then we give end of life drugs, and that's a great blessing. morphine's yeah, a wonderful okay. drug.
1: Okay,
0: you know, wonderful drug if used correctly. But older people that are vulnerable, especially if they're ill. So if you came into A&E department and you had a broken ankle, I'd give you 10 milligrams of morphine without batting an eyelid. You'd be fine. You give that to an old person, it's possible. This podcast is brought to you by Urban Scoop. Any support to carry on this work will be greatly appreciated. Please visit urbanscoop.news forward slash
1: support us. Thank you. What about the ventilators? Yeah, Because um, we, we, we our process was if 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 they're in in, in yeah in with COVID, yeah. they're getting ventilators. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So intensive care doctors, um we've always people in intensive care have always known that ventilation, of course, is a very dangerous thing to do. You know, if I put you on a ventilator now uh, as as a fit person, there's a chance that you could die of a, a complication from that. So ventilation's always been dangerous, we've known that. But of course, intensive care doctors are very aware of this. But they were getting people in with um, acute respiratory distress syndrome in the alveoli, and they were often being ventilated following previous protocols. But the point is COVID gave rise to um, symptoms via a different pathophysiological mechanism to other diseases. So intensive care doctors had to learn how to treat this new disease. And to be fair to them, they did learn pretty quick,
1: learn what they, they actually we shouldn't be the, them all the, on the, the ventilation
0: vent- is very particularly dangerous in COVID
1: because the ventilators were killing them.
0: Um, yes, people were going on ventilators and not getting off them. Yeah. But they did learn that pretty quick. Okay. So, so did, did, did over ventilation result in deaths that were unnecessary early in the pandemic? Yeah, I, th- I think they did. Did, did the doctors learn pretty quick because you're dealing with intensive care consultants they're not stupid people yeah they learn pretty quick that, but right. was it
1: down to them were they allowed to decide now i'm not putting these people on ventilators or yeah down to the yeah government?
0: yeah uh, uh, intensive care consultants do work pretty independently okay yeah it is it is less protocol driven than uh for example a vaccination protocol okay or a protocol for treating asthma. Yeah, they they do have genuine uh, independent clinical autonomy, and they did learn pretty quick. But to be fair, it was it was it was a new it was a new disease, um, and you have to learn how to treat it. Now, it was the massively missed opportunities there. So, for example, we've talked to uh, Pierre Corey from the states. He testified to Senate in the states and said, well, I think we should be using uh, steroids, prednisolone. So what happens in COVID is you get the acute infection and then you suffer from the, the inflammation from that infection. So to get rid of the inflammation, steroids saved a lot of lives, you know, giving drugs like prednisolone and uh, other steroids. Pierre Cory advocated that to Senate. It was taken on board and it was basically rolled out internationally. A lot of lives were saved. And then he found his patients were getting better with another drug, ivermectin. <laughs> He testified before Senate again. Senate took that information on board, and I looked at the early information on that and thought, "Yeah, this is pretty promising." Problem but that one was, I, I think. I, I think it's not unfair to use the word suppressed.
1: When we say suppressed, I've I've I i can not say the word.
0: Ive, Ivermectin, Ivermectin <laughs> is a very cheap drug. Oh, it's basically free. It's I mean, a free it, drug
1: that yeah. could have. So the evidence now shows would treat COVID, but the pharmaceutical companies would not have made the billions I, of billions, I, I, of billions
0: I have talked to a lot of very senior, very skilled doctors who assure me that they have seen dramatic benefit from treating COVID with ivermectin.
1: And am I right that we saw evidence yesterday that in 2018, before the pandemic, yeah. ivermectin was removed from France?
0: The French government attempt, oh, I don't, I don't, I'm, attempted to suppress it. I, I don't know about. I've never heard that one. Okay. But 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 uh, I- I- ivermectin is on the World Health Organization list of essential medicines. So I- ivermectin, the it's been around for a while now. It's it, it, billions, um, up, up to four billion doses of ivermectin have been given to human beings. So w- when the FDA said, "Come on, you all." <laughs> You're not a horse, you're not a cow. They said it was dangerous. They said it was dangerous.
1: When COVID started, they said this drug, which has been proven as safe, is dangerous.
0: I have mentioned it's a very safe drug, but there's a complete axiom in healthcare that you give the right dose of the right drug to the right patient via the right route at the right time. All drugs have to be given via that area. So the right dose of the right drug to the right route to the right patient at the right time. If you give the wrong dose, all drugs are going to be toxic. That's why we have doctors. That's why we have pharmacists to give the right dose of the right drug to the right patients at the right time via the right route. If people start medicating themselves, of course, that's intrinsically dangerous. So if this drug had been made readily available through doctors in the States who were more than happy to prescribe it, or here that were more than happy to prescribe it, then it could have been given in safe doses. And that, that risk of potential side effects would not have been there.
1: But the media made this uh the media made any doctors talking about this they made a mock oh, it, it, it,
0: it was completely suppressed um any mention of ivermectin on social media or hydroxychloroquine was uh, automatically uh, taken down uh, do, what, do, do, do what, what, doctors who are taken down
1: by so, yeah. by social media companies by big tech yeah yeah we've seen now from the from the twitter leaks that big that the government were involved in Telling the big tech companies of what to remove and who to silence. Yeah,
0: I haven't got the full details of no. that, but it, it, it wouldn't surprise me. There was one narrative that was allowed. Um, and why, why do you
1: think? What, what, what would you? Why do you think ivermectin was suppressed? Why do you think? Why do you think all of these things were happening and only one narrative was? Allowed? My personal
0: view. Yeah, ivermectin's cheap. Okay. <laughs> You, you, you can't profit. Make money so out so of it.
1: business again. It's business. Yeah, it's I, not. It's I, not public health care
0: Then no, I, I don't think so. Uh, the, the, to, to me, the evidence for ivermectin is is there. Yeah. Um, uh, as an uh, and perhaps having effects against other viruses uh, as well as SARS coronavirus too, but um, there were opportunities given early in the pandemic. Researchers in Japan, for example, were prepared to do large scale studies on ivermectin. Santoshi Amura and William Campbell won the Nobel Prize for Ivermectin yeah. in uh, 2015. And, and uh, the Japanese authorities offered to do this, but Merck didn't really want to follow that up. Merck, Merck were the main producers. Iver, ivermectin has, oh, has basically eradicated some truly horrible diseases, parasitic diseases around the world. And my, my, the community health project I'm involved in in Uganda, we use Ivermectin for parasitic diseases. Wonderful, wonderful drug. But it, it appears it also has uh, antiviral properties, and they are not being exploited because the pharmaceutical industry, industries were working on their own antiviral, sophisticated antivirals, but partly based on research that was done for um, antiretroviral drugs in HIV, which has transformed HIV treatment around the world. HIV, remember, was a death sentence. You know, we lost Freddie Mercury for goodness' yeah. sake. You know, these days it would be easy, to easy treat. to save his life. Um, so, so many other t- tragic losses. So that's been great. But they had all these other antivirals that were in the pipeline. And these were hugely expensive. So from a purely industry-based point of view, why would you want a dirt cheap effective antiviral <laughs> from, from a when business you, point. when you can have an expensive one?
1: <laughs> well, we saw there was an Australian businessman, an Australian billionaire, yeah. who bought enough ivermectin for the whole of
0: Australia. I, I've heard that. I haven't got a detail on and that. And it was but, yeah. seized
1: by the Australian government. So then it's not just about, then it's like yeah. preve- they have purposely, governments and politicians have yeah. purposely prevented a remedy to this disease in the very early days.
0: Or, or or at least prevented the clinical trials which would have conclusively demonstrated it. We did do a clinical trial in, in the how UK. Can you,
1: how can anyone trust them?
0: Well, this is the problem. There's a big clinical trial done in the, in the UK in Oxford on ivermectin. We haven't got the results yet. <laughs>
1: Well,
0: you won't get them there's the funding I mean my talk yesterday we were talking about this you know, the principles of evidence based medicine yep. best available evidence expert opinion patient preferences best available evidence though it's the drug companies that are very oft, often funding the trials
1: so the best available evidence is the evidence that they're giving us
0: it, it, it means that the trials that are done <laughs> are, are, are selected. So if there's, if, there's, if, there's a, if there's a nice, dirt, cheap treatment of a generic drug, why should they bother doing a clinical trial on that? They
1: won't. They'll pick a they clinical trial on the most expensive Correct. one and they'll say, this works, Correct. even if it's just
0: got one little alternative to the cheap. Correct, and that is the problem. And that's business. That's business, and it's not good for my health, and it's not good for your health, and I think it's appalling, and I think it needs to change. I, I, I think we need completely independent methods of researching drugs do you see any do you see it changing no I don't see it changing it's a real problem government should be researching these drugs completely independently, independently based purely on scientific medical grounds and at the moment, that research is simply not being prioritised. Didn't the
1: Indian government attempt that at the start with one of these vaccines, and then the vaccine company just pulled out of their country and said, "Okay, we're yeah. not going to
0: India." Um, the, the, <laughs> the, I'm pretty sure. I think. I think what happened there was that uh, the mRNA producing yep. Moderna Pfizer um, they wanted indemnity, so we we can sell you billions of doses but they want a complete indemnity as far as i know the indian government wouldn't give them an indemnity so they said oh we'll, we'll take a ball over and play somewhere else are
1: we right if 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 inv-
0: if ivermectin was
1: if ivermectin was um curable before, before Covid yeah. they would never have got the emergency use yes. given, given to them yes. which would then yes. allow them not to be penalised yes. for any of the any of the. Th- this is
0: absolutely that. true so that's um, why they it's, it. it's not so much the indemnity the inde- I think the indemnity is a separate thing okay. but the, the, this is true in the United States they for can't the, be held accountable the indemnity means they can't be held accountable for adverse reactions so, uh, so that's the, why the, go- the governments gave them indemnity but w- what you're referring to now is the FDA I don't know about the UK but the FDA have got a clause in the States yep which of course is the biggest market. And that clearly says, if there's an alternative treatment available, you can't have emergency use authorization on a, on a new treatment. So if Ivermectin had been effective, then um, they wouldn't have been able to get emergency use authorizations on the vaccines, as I read the FDA guidelines. Which
1: would have meant that every single person who's been vaccine injured now could have sued the, sued the hell out of them.
0: No, 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 I think the indemnity is a separate thing. Okay. What it means is the vaccines wouldn't have got the emergency use authorisation and the rollout would never have started. Okay.
1: Where has this changed? Has what you've seen develop changed your opinion on vaccines per se? Would you say say now if you had young children again? (laughs) As a doctor now, if you had young children again, would you be advising for the flu jab? Would you be advising...
0: Can, can of worms, Tommy. Really hard one. You know, to tell you the truth, I have not done a detailed analysis On of each all the, of the different vaccines. Ones. So uh, I, I am. Uh, do you blame parents now who. Do,
1: would you Because parents now will be saying, you're not sticking any of those vaccines in my
0: kid. That is, that is the problem. But some of them can. I, help. Mean, I mean, what I would say is I have seen children and adults die of tetanus. Yeah,
1: okay.
0: And tetanus does prevent. Tetanus vaccine does prevent, prevent tetanus. tetanus. And it's not nice. No, you know I, I've seen children with what we call perinatal tetanus, mm. and it's it's I, I'm distressed thinking about it now. Yeah, okay. it is it's horrible. Okay, um, so but to, to answer your question, I would have to have detailed knowledge of every individual. Va- you know, it's Before not on there's, the other there's no such thing as vaccines. It's yeah. every individual one, yeah. and. Um, to answer that question, I'd have to be much more encyclopedic than I am. So I, I really can't give an answer. I mean, basically, at the moment, I'm still. I would still follow government protocols unless I had a reason not to. I'm not a revolutionary. No, no, okay, I get it. Yeah, I get <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Um, get it. What about good, good question. Yeah, you.
1: What, the, the big. Because there'll be lots of people asking these. Lots yeah, of parents I know. Be at I know. Home I know. With children, know. that when they're calling them in at I know. in lower school, yeah, and yeah. saying we need to vaccinate. Yeah, yeah. Parents who have seen all these lies now I know. may be making the I know. wrong decisions I know. based on other vaccines. I know,
0: I, I, and and I am convinced that vaccination has prevented a lot of, um, has prevented a lot of human pain, suffering, and death. Okay. Um, but to answer that for every individual vaccine is 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 is, 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 a, is a really difficult question. Mm. But you're right. The loss of trust is a problem. And I really feel that the paediatric community does need to step up to the plate on this and say, these are the, the, these are the vaccines that we recommend in childhood. Here's the rationale for that. Here's the evidence for that. Because a big argument against traditional vaccines at the moment is that um, very often they haven't been tested against a control group.
1: Well, I see so many people, I see statistics talking about... Um What's it called when you're on the spectrum, autism.
0: Autism, yeah.
1: I've seen so many people saying, I oh, know. In fact, I saw one in the United States where they've done the Amish community who do yeah. not get any yeah, vaccines. Yeah, yeah. There's no cases of autism yeah, within yeah, the yeah. Am- Amish community, yeah. Yet all of yet now, our, every single friend, our, most of my friends have got an autistic child now. Yeah, the level has gone through the roof, and yeah. people are now looking at yeah. li- Now, we're looking around at everything and linking it to
0: vaccines. I, I feel that because that question has been asked. And because that that question is in the public domain, I feel that the regulatory vaccine authorities and the paediatric community should answer that question. Personally, I'm not in a position to answer it. But because that question, you're not asking that question, you are reflecting the fact that millions of people around the world are asking that that question. And I really feel that should be answered by the people in the paediatric community that, that, that advocate these treatments. It is a legitimate question, and it's probably got a legitimate answer. I can't give it to you, but I feel that should be communicated by the paediatric community into the public domain.
1: If, our, if the government told us in the next four weeks or six weeks some are guessing that there's going to be lockdowns and there's going to be mask mandates, would you be one of the people abiding by that protocol? What would
0: be the reason for giving these uh, mandates? I don't know, probably climate change. (laughs) (laughs) If if, if it was a new, completely different type of respiratory virus that was killing 50% of the people that were infected. It's a different story. Of course. Okay. Um, if, If it's for SARS coronavirus, too, I believe the balance of evidence is that masks do not prevent it because the virus is endemic. It gets everywhere you've probably been exposed to it the day before you start wearing the masks we know that the unless you're wearing quite sophisticated masks all the time they don't block the virus Um, the the idea that you can stop an endemic virus to me is pretty ludicrous You, you 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 can't stop it now in the early stages the whole thing was Boris Johnson wanted to flatten the sombrero. Do you remember, remember that? Flatten the curve. <laughs> flatten the curve, Flatten yeah. the curve. Yeah. Now, so, now th- th- there, is, there is rationale to that because yeah. we didn't want the health service to be overwhelmed. That, that ha- does make sense. Now, get n- Now, the idea that you can stop transmission of a new, more transmissible variant, an Omicron derivative, you can't stop that transmission it's going to get if, if, if it's more transmissible than the current types of Omicron that we have now which are already massively transmissible it's going to get everywhere
1: can I ask how your how how has so no I wouldn't
0: comply is the answer no, if, if, I, if I had the option is do to do not comply that yeah. okay
1: how has your life changed since well, this so, um, so you've gone from you've gone from believing in the system trusting yeah. the system in every way now you're looking and you're questioning lots yeah, of things questioning as a, lot a doctor of things, yeah, yeah. you're questioning it has that changed your life? Has the, has your rise in popularity? Cause you've gone from 500,000 views to 20 million views at one, I'm looking through it's tens of millions, hundreds of millions, the people are watching your videos. Has it changed your life? Um,
0: the answer is not that much, really. Um, <laughs> it, it, I suppose it should do. I've certainly accumulated quite a few enemies that there's people dedicate their time and lives to, to attacking me in various ways. Do um, um, you I, think I, they're I, doing I, that independently? Um, no, no. I think it's I think it's largely coordinated and controlled. You think it's coordinated? I, I, I think I, th- I think it's both. I think there are uh, individuals who use the popularity of my YouTube channel to promote their own videos. Yep. Um, because if they put John Campbell on the thing, they'll, they'll, get, get, more the, p- they'll get they'll get a few clicks. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I also think there is a coordinated opposition. Uh, we do know that the seventy seventh brigade is a unit of the British Army. What, um, it, it does what's,
1: exist. What's the 77th Brigade?
0: I wish I knew, Tommy. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 it is a subdivision, largely of the British Territorial Army. Look on their website, it's there. Uh, they are there to uh, wage war in the information arena.
1: So we have a British Army Regiment, that has job unit, unit, anywhere, unit, yeah. whose job it is to wage war. This sounds similar because the police used to have a special demonstration squad. Okay. And they used to have this squad, and their job was to wage war demonstrations. So okay. if you've got a peaceful demonstration, right. they send the special demonstration squad in, and they make it violent. Okay. And then everyone sees the headlines, violent demonstrations. and takes away the mainstream narrative of the Yeah, I, I don't know about that. So, but, but, so, this, but yeah, so yeah. there's a 77th Brigade whose job it is to wage
0: uh, to, to protect the country against external information threats, I believe. is. To, ex- to protect the country or to protect Big Pharma? To protect business or to protect people? Their, their their agenda is not transparent to me. <laughs> so you, so, so you so feel <laughs> as a doctor, <laughs> who knows, um, there's
1: coordinated attacks against yourself, but not just against uh, yourself. Everyone we've sp- everyone we've spoke to this yeah, weekend.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've had uh, serious threats of uh, violence. You've had threats of violence. Oh yeah. yeah. Murder. Yeah.
1: As a doctor, you've had threats of violence yeah. and murder because uh, you've yeah. decided to. Yeah. Look at the evidence and the facts and yeah. talk about it. Yeah. You're not calling, you're just talking about
0: it. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm, ca- I'm, I'm careful know? not to give advice or to prescribe.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you've, you've been get,
0: uh, uh, It's just to illuminate the issues.
1: Has that... And how does that make you feel, having threats? No, 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 actually. How does it make you feel? I've met your wife. Yeah. How does it make your wife feel and your family feel?
0: Uh, pretty uncomfortable. Worried? Me me personally, I don't believe I'm going to die till the day that's appointed for me to die. To be quite honest, Um, and um, I'm not. The the road up to death terrifies me. (laughs) I've seen people die difficult deaths. Seen people die peaceful deaths. The the actual, uh, I am completely resigned to my own death. Mm. Uh, You know, I've seen people die at all ages. uh, throughout throughout my career, you know, and, and um, I've always ha- had a, a cognitive awareness. And now I'm 66. Now, you know, the, the chances of um, dying gets quite quite a lot higher as you get older. Um, for me personally, no, nah, it's okay. Who
1: do you blame? Though, those threats of violence and threats of murder and death threats. Yeah. Who do you blame for them? Because w- would you would you accept that when the media or journals or, or the people who have attacked you and portrayed you in a way that
0: is yeah. isn't <coughs> genuine. Yeah. right. Now, w- w- one of the emails said, yep. and this makes sense, that it is better to kill one man than allow him to give disinformation, which kills thousands. Now, where have they took that from? Um, well, the fact that the people that we might call trolls yep. who are saying that what I'm saying is dangerous then you'll get some head case sitting in his attic or his basement somewhere. That
1: thinks he's doing the world a favor.
0: Yeah, Take, actually believes the trolls at face value. And it's right, if, the, if there was a five men in a bomber plane in the Second World War, coming over, they could have dropped bombs on London that killed a thousand people, which is better. Kill those five men by shooting the plane down, allowing them to bomb a thousand people in London. I would have shot that plane down. Of course. I'm not a pacifist. No. Um, so for someone to take someone like me who's killing thousands of people in their eyes to kill one man if they believe it surely that's better than allowing me to kill thousands which then's that's the worry that that is that is the concern and that is why these trolls who appear like academic trolls are actually quite dangerous because you get the head cases out there who actually believe them but I've had threats from people that aren't head cases I've had to see I can't give you the details
1: I mean, I had a, there was a but, filmmaker but, who was killed by a left-wing activist who, thought, who who actually thought he was doing the world a better, yeah. making the world a better place.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't really pretend to be so grandiose. All I do is discuss. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I would hope this has beneficial effects. Um, but you know, di- discussing things that are going on, and, and certainly um, the one or two of the emails that have been sent have been investigated, and they're untraceable. So they've been sent by people who know what they're doing.
1: Yeah, they know what they're doing. It's all, it, and that is would that's one level of pressure. Maybe why the seventy seventh brigade. But that's but well, <laughs> the
0: transparency would be appreciated. That's one <laughs> level of
1: pressure. That that is another pressure tactic to put yeah. on not just yourself but your family. I, 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 think, I maybe think. shut you
0: up. I think the uh, threats were trying to manipulate my behaviour to, to prevent you from talking. Yeah. Uh, h- how serious they are. No way of knowing. In your profession, there's a very small number of doctors
1: who have become known around the globe for speaking out. You're one of them. Is there large numbers behind closed doors that are
0: concerned? Yes, yes. I'm convinced there are. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm retired, it's easy for me. Um, If you're you're an early career nurse, doctor, um, it's difficult to step out of line. It's difficult to say what you really suspect. Might be going on because um, that could have career implications, and that's not not just about COVID jabs. That's about the entire agenda that people are expected to comply with you know, at at the moment.
1: And people are concerned for their jobs, their families, of their futures, of course, their children's, of course, careers. of course. You, um, where can people follow you?
0: Oh, YouTube. Type John Campbell and you'll find my videos. Rumble as well. You you trying to? Are you you trying
1: to share? Do you see? Do you understand the level of censorship that's on this issue? And do you see that? Do you see a long longevity in your presence on YouTube? (laughs)
0: Um, The reason that my videos appear a bit silly, Tommy, is that the artificial intelligence algorithms that monitor these things can't interpret. Which can? We on that camera? Yep, you're on that camera. They can't interpret sarcastic looks over the camera yeah
1: yeah so you can make so you're, you're so on youtube you can make comments but then you'll to make it
0: okay there's a we, we allow for uh, viewer interpretation tommy okay <laughs> to get around the level of the algorithm oh for the no 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 just to allow for to the, allow viewer interpretation okay brilliant yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah because
1: yeah. i think it's very important that um i, very, I think it's very important that um, platforms such as Rumble that yeah. will shift as many people over to them as possible to yeah. mainstream them so that yeah. when people are looking for debate videos. but
0: Yeah, yeah. no, Rumble's great. Um, yeah. It is it's it, it is genuinely... Uh, Freedom of speech. Yeah, I, I, it genuinely is. You can say things on there that you can't say on other...
1: Do you think we have... Do you feel you've got free speech in the UK?
0: Um, no. 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 I am constantly self-censoring. You haven't, too, yeah. You do, yeah. No, I, I
1: think. No, I think self censorship. So, whether they bring in laws or the, the public then become fearful and they self censor.
0: And, and and they're, they're, it's not it's not just the the COVID issue. It's no. a whole range of issues that basically we would I would be even I I, I don't even feel free to list them now. Okay. Um, but there's a whole range of issues that are not allowed to uh, be discussed publicly, especially um, if you work in national institutions. So if you work in the health service, if you work in academia, there's a whole range of issues that basically aren't up for discussion. And that is not good for academic freedom.
1: Dr John Campbell, I've, been, I've had a, a fascinating chat. Thanks, Thank you very Thank much. You. Cheers. Good to meet Carry on watching for more interesting guests.
2: I'll talk to anyone. I'll debate anyone. I'll hear anyone's story. If you want to help me along that way, it's not free. I need your support. If you can support my family, that gives me my peace of mind. It means I can continue to do the work I do. You can do so at www.supporttommy.com. I appreciate every bit of support, as do my children. It gives me the ability to fly them out here to see me so I can stay in constant contact with them. I'm D-platform the and I'm censored, so I need you. I need you to share this content. Make sure you stay tuned for upcoming weekly guests, interesting guests, exciting guests, I'm Tom Robinson and this has been my podcast, Silence.